I'm Carrie Brett, and this is Shot at Love, the first motivational show run online dating. Today's guest is Jill Sylvester. She is a licensed mental health counselor and the author of Trust Your Intuition. Jill will teach us the importance of trusting yourself and listening to your intuition when dating. Jill is also going to show us how to transform anxiety and depression for stronger mental health. It's time to trust our inner navigation system and truly raise the bar to find love. You won't want to miss it, so stay tuned. Jill works with individuals in personal development. In her private practice, she has successfully guided thousands of client sessions towards stronger health, wellness, and transformation. Jill also works with people to deepen their understanding of the language of energy and intuition. She's the host of the podcast, Trust Your Intuition, and the author of three books. Jill's passion is helping individuals see past the darkness to find the light. I think this will be such a powerful episode for single people looking to make a shift. So without further ado, welcome to the podcast, Jill. Thanks so much for being here. Hi, Carrie. Thanks for having me. So I'm so excited you're here, and this is your 24th wedding anniversary, so in the spirit of love. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Serendipitous that you had me on today. So Thank you for being here on such a special day. I just finished Trust Your Intuition, and I listened to it on Audible, and I also bought the book, it, and I also bought Land of the Blue um, for my daughter, which I can't wait to read as well. And you said we are living in the land of the blue right now, mm-hmm. and so... I I definitely can't wait to get my hands on that book as well. But can you talk about the inspiration for Trust Your Intuition? And I know this is a self-help book. It's based on the tools that have helped you over the years. But what was the driving force in creating this book? Uh, I wanted to create a book that showcased tools that I've worked with in my own personal development for 30 years and the tools that I've worked with in session for over a decade with clients Um, The book is written in a trajectory format, so it starts with hold on, because that's how we feel when we're stuck and, you know, before we're able to even become aware that there could possibly be a shift in our life. It's that place of, I don't know how I'm going to navigate this, you know, I don't know how I'm going to get out of this, it's always going to be this way, it's a really tough place that we often find ourselves in. So I start with hold on, and then we gravitate to practice good self-care. And then enter the phase of believing, because you have to believe that things are going to change. And then trusting your intuition, learning to trust that inner voice, and being able to discern what's the voice of the gremlin voice and the voice of your highest self. And then emerging into that space of feeling better. And ultimately, that's what happens when you do the work. So I wrote the book in that trajectory format to show people how I've gotten through and started from that place of holding on to arriving in this place and helping others to do the same. That's great. When you talk about that place of holding on, I think about my why and the reason why I started this podcast. And I truly wish I had your book when I was going through some of my darkest days. And when I was listening to your book, I was like, oh my God, you are like Tony Robbins or Wayne Dyer. This is incredible stuff. So you should be so proud. Thank you. And I will be spreading the word because... If I had this book, I would have just based just simple things like when you say hold on and you talk about anxiety, 
just holding on to the edge of your desk or holding on to a pencil, holding on to something, because that physical action of holding on to something can help you navigate just for that short time. Mm. I thought that was really helpful. Thank you. Thank you for saying that. And that's, you know, for people that are in that place right now, it's about giving yourself permission to feel the feels. And to me, that's part of the hell that we go through. Because when you're in that land of blue place and you don't even know you're there, we want to jump to to just getting out of it as opposed to standing in it and allowing yourself to feel you know, frightened enough that you can say, wow, I'm, I'm really frightened and, mm. and hold on to a desk or a chair or wherever, you know, anything, anything right. at all, just standing there and going, wow, I'm so scared. Right. Or, you know? I'm hurting so badly. And the other thing you say is, you know, movement, take action. And I didn't know I was actually helping myself because I didn't have your book and I didn't have as much information that I needed. But I knew that if I stayed in bed, and felt sorry for myself, that that would keep feeding that energy. And so I would always get up, and one of the things I would do, and it sounds crazy, is but I would wash my floors in my house, so I have hardwood floors. And I would just be cleaning out cabinets. I just was always cleaning, but that was pushing the negative, bad energy out. And while I was cleaning, I would listen to a motivational book, and then I'd have a little bit of peace because I would get out of my head just temporarily. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think it's that fighting those feelings of being stuck and not having any hope is um, huge. And we were talking yesterday, and when I spoke to you, we were thinking, you know, you're so nice, and, and you said, how can I best serve your listeners? And I was thinking about that, and I thought, well, how are single people navigating this time during the pandemic? And... People are in different stages. Either they're stuck in their current relationship and they feel like they can't get anything better, so they have to stay. Or maybe they are motivated, they know they can do better, but the process of moving forward has taken a long time to play out. And, you know, you had mentioned that some people realize that they need to get back out there, but some feel so hopeless. And that made me sad because I actually think right now is an excellent time to put yourself out there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I do too. I do too. And so your job to help your clients is to teach people how to keep themselves buoyant. And can you talk about, you know, firing the transmitters? Explain your process. So I'll do it in the context of what you were just talking about, getting up and moving. And that's why Mel Robbins 54321 is so brilliant because, you know, when she talks about getting up first thing in the morning and, you know, moving to get to a better space and you getting up and doing the cleaning, what happens is, is when you are conscious now of what you're doing, because if we just jump and we move and we do all these things, now sometimes that can be denial, Right. So, so people have to catch themselves to be clear on what it is they're doing and their why. So, for example, if you get up with no intention of what you're doing, sometimes that's driving, it's pushing the feelings away and not being conscious of it. So that's what I mean by feeling the feels, mm-hmm. allowing yourself to say, wow, I feel really anxious. Okay, I'm getting up and I'm moving. And when you do that, now you're saying, I'm aware of what I'm feeling, I'm feeling it, and I'm not going to stay in this bed. I'm going to five, four, three, two, one, it kind of thing. Mm. And I'm going to get up and do something. Now that's power. Right. Because what you're saying is, 
I am not choosing to engage in what these gremlins are going to tell me if I'm laying in my bed and I'm going to allow them to just take me over. Right. And so that's the difference between living with power and staying buoyant than just allowing every external thing to just blow you like a leaf in the wind. Right. You know, that's, that's the difference. So the Mel Robbins book, I guess your mind, that's why she has a five-second rule. Because within five, if, if you go any longer than five seconds, the gremlins will win. Mm-hmm. Your mind will take over. Mm-hmm. And so even though I've, I felt like everyone felt when I had to join Tinder at 43, you feel not great about yourself. You feel like you just, I was, in my, my case, and a lot of people's cases, I was just newly out of a failed relationship. And it's hard not to take that on. And, but for me, even though I had doubts about online dating and no one even knew what Tinder was about when I was on, on it, but I felt like, well, hey, at least I'll have a clean house when I meet someone. Company arrives. You know, (laughs) so it was kind of, let's get that refrigerator stocked. You know, it's just the act of, it's going to come. Law of attraction. Even though I didn't feel it, but at least... I had my ducks in a row because I had a clean house. So I think, you know, just just keep get moving. And and that is a great book, the Mel Robbins book. I, I listened to that as well, and I got a lot out of that. As a therapist, you have seen thousands of clients through the years, and you've seen a lot of dating success stories. But like anything else, you've seen a lot of horror stories too. But you mentioned that it's so important to be hopeful. And the other thing that you that you write about in your book is being truly grounded in intention. Can you talk about the importance of setting up intentions? So one of the first exercises I give to people who are going back on the dating scene or they're, you know, stuck at the beginning of getting back out there is to make a list of all the things that you want in a person. And you know, really be clear on what it is you're looking for and just have everything written out on paper so that you can, you know, see it and have it staring you in the face. And then to also go back to every, you know, serious relationship that you've had and write down the things that you learned, both good and bad, from the people that you've spent time with. And trust that there is a soul contract there that we have with everybody that helps us on the journey of personal growth and development. And when you can look at it from, you know, through that lens, so to speak, you're able to see what each person gave you. Like, I'm no longer willing to stand for X, Y, Z. I forgive myself for putting up with that for X, Y, Z months or years, Mm -hmm. you know. And really being able to look objectively at what each person gave you, what you want, and then try to put them all together. Because... That's how we become whole. It's not denying what happened. It's not completely rejecting what happened, but saying, wow, like I was at a place in my life where I didn't think I deserved better. Or, you know, how sad is that, that I was in that place that I just allowed that to happen over and over again um, and didn't think I was worth more. So now what I'm looking for in a person is, you know, and you raise the bar for yourself. And so now you kind of put everything together and say, based on what I don't want, because that's how life is. It's the contrast, you know? What, what we want is from what we don't want. That's, that's how we learn. So when you put it all together and you can stand in that forgiving place, both of the people that have hurt you and how you've hurt yourself because you are a conscious or sometimes unconscious participant, you know, in the relationship, that's when you can move forward with more power to bring to you what you want to have. Right. 
what I hear from single people is this investment of time and the frustration of the investment of time of things that aren't working out. And you can't know what you want. You can't, you know, put those things on a list if you don't know what you don't want. I remember when I first went online, I met someone who was wonderful and I wasn't ready, but the universe had to show me that there are wonderful people out there. And then when, you know, maybe like a year later, when I was fully ready, the universe brought forth another wonderful person and that ended up being my boyfriend today. Mm -hmm. And so... If something doesn't work out and you have these experiences, you still learn something. And um, my friend, Amy Nobley, she started a company called Love Amy, and she's been on um, a few episodes. And she went on all these coffee and juice dates back to back every day. And every day she set the intention. And this was something I learned from her that I thought was very valuable. She set the intention that no matter what, however that date went, short, long, fabulous, not so great, that she was going to take something away and learn something of importance from someone else. Perfect. Yeah. And I think that, that um, that's a good way to frame this time in your life mm-hmm. because otherwise it's easy to go down that rabbit hole and feel pretty negative mm-hmm. if things aren't working out. Mm-hmm. It also keeps you in motion. And so when you're moving, you know, the, the universe likes action. So if you're keeping yourself in motion, there's going to be motion back to you. You know, too often we sit and we say, well, nothing's coming on the horizon. Or people will say, you know, that no one's out there. Well, it's like, well, what are you doing to put yourself out there? Are you blaming it on the pandemic that you can't go out and meet people? Because you certainly can. Right. It's just your choice of how you're going to create the life you want to have. But it's not out here. It's in here. Right. And so for me, one swipe and one date at a time, I was putting myself in the shower, jumping in an Uber, forcing myself day by day to move forward and taking that action. And was it easy for me? No, it's not easy for anyone. And it wasn't any easier for me. I didn't have this magic pill. Mm -hmm. I just was willing to, I didn't want to be alone and I was willing to do the work. And you talk about making these shifts in life in your book. And in order to make a shift, it takes consistency and discipline, like anything you want. And and we both talk, we both have podcasts. So we were saying, you have to put the time in. We have to earn our podcasting badges, so to speak. And nothing in life falls out of the sky. So you apply certain tools and are consistent in your self-care. And you believe that good mental health is everything and that life truly changes for the better when you do the work. Can you give me some examples of the things that you do in your daily practice that set you up for success? I live the book. You do? I I live the book. Every day I get up and I hit the ground running with exercise and meditation and good foods. Does that mean that I'm living a perfect life, 100% eating clean, doing the right... No, not at all. But I like to say, you know, 90%, I'm going for 95 at this point, you know. But just doing the best you can every single day on that physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual level, which means I'm feeding myself in all those areas so that I can feed other people. And that's, you you have to take care of yourself in order to take care of your family, your friends, your pets, your, your, you know, your colleagues, your work, you, you, you have to, right. You have to. Well, one thing I have not 
adapted, and you talk about it in your book, is meditation. And I don't know why that is, but your book definitely got me thinking. And I love how you say that all of your clients, all of the suggestions that you've made to people, when they do adapt it, you've never had someone come back to you and say that it didn't work. So I, the first thing I did this morning was I looked at, I woke up and I got on Instagram. And I like how you say in the book that you can't check into your phone first thing in the morning if you can't even check in with yourself. And that's when I thought, okay, sitting there and visualizing and planning your day really sets the tone for the day and how you don't allow negative thoughts to start your day. And that you talk about the power of affirmations and I haven't really, I mean, I've always been someone who loves affirmations. Why is it so important for success? When you're talking to yourself in a positive way, you don't have room for the negative. So that's why I like it. You can't hold a negative and a positive thought at the same time. It's physiologically impossible. So just a quick example, if I'm running late, you know, back in the day when we were running to our office and, you know, all of that, um, if I'm running late, I get to the point now where I just go, I'm on time. And I just say it calmly, I say it gracefully, and then I relax into the driver's seat. I put on music, I like, I just relax. And I'm telling you, it's amazing how nine out of 10 times you will get there on time. You just set the vibe you want to create for yourself. Because otherwise you're going, oh my God, oh my God, oh my right. God, I'm late, I'm gonna be so mad. Blah, blah. And we just, we just run fast and we, that, that's how we run red lights. That's how we get in accidents. That's how, mm. we, that's how we live. Been there, done that, all set. You know, you definitely live the book because you're you're ready for whatever life throws at you. You definitely have this like closer energy, um, which I I love. And I know for myself when I would have to shoot covers and they'd be really intense in a short period of time, and all the advertising would be, you know, banked on this image. It was a lot of pressure for me, but I. And I don't know when I started doing this, but what I would do was I would prepare for the cover, but then I would also visualize myself in that moment and how that cover would go and that it would just be like the most amazing experience and then it would always come out the way it was supposed to. And by holding that and running it through my head, it always worked out just fine. And so as we talk about that, I feel like I need to, start doing that instead of checking in on Instagram, kind of really visualizing how my day is going to go. Yeah. Think, think about energetically what you're doing when you get on Instagram. It's not that Instagram is the problem. Mm. It's just the priority. So, you know, think about what you're putting out to the universe when you go first to your phone. You're saying like, what's out there is more important than what's in here. So if you just delay that five minutes, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, an hour, you're going to go on Instagram with so much more intention and so much more power because you're saying, I got to feed myself first. I have to plug in spiritually, whatever way that works for you. If it's mm-hmm. exercise or, you know, whatever, everybody has their own, you know, morning routine. So if you do that first, you're saying, I'm the creator of my life. And when I give myself what I need, I can better give to other people. Right. And I think people who are jumping on Tinder, or any dating app, Bumble, and any of them, I think that's a good way. Like, I'm hopeful and optimistic and open to meeting someone great. And when you do get asked out on that date, you know, run that scenario, this date's going to go great. 
Mm-hmm. I'm going to get there on time. I'm going to find a parking spot. And, and uh, why wouldn't they like me? Right. You know, that's, that's what you're, you're right. saying. Why wouldn't they like me? If they don't like you, they're not your person. So right. thank them for the opportunity for you to get clear and who it is that you want to become right. and who it is that you are. Like when you had said earlier, you said, you know, I wasn't ready for that wonderful person yet. But the fact that that person presented themselves to you at that time was your light shining brighter. You weren't fully ready to own it yet. Right. But what you were putting out is what was coming back to you. So those are the green lights of yeah, you know, what you're worthy of, you know? Right. And also it was like, if I was willing to jump in the Tinder ring in the arena of life, then someone great was going to show up mm-hmm. eventually. Yeah. I mean, it may be the first date, it could be six months in, but I was demanding that of the universe. Absolutely. By taking that action. And in your book, you hammer home how important discipline is if you want your blueprint to change. And so how do you change something that's not working? You have to show up. And little steps get things done. And I like, and I'm taking this all from your book. (laughs) This isn't me. (laughs) I think this is great for people. This is great advice for people who are thinking about joining online dating. And you said, put it on the calendar and follow through. And the other thing that you say is, what is the next best step you have control over? Can you give me some advice? What would advice be if I was single and I came to you for for a therapy session? Would it be put it on the calendar? Like, What would some advice be for a single person who was a little stuck, a little afraid of getting online? So I would say... You know, if the intention is to meet somebody, then, you know, you want to flex the muscle of your own self-esteem and and focusing on all the things you like about yourself. So I'd have them list 25 things that they like about themselves, get really clear on it, and start to put that energy out there. So saying affirmations, feeling a little stronger in what it is that they're able to own about themselves that's positive, and then go on a coffee date, put yourself out there, do exactly the opposite of what the gremlins are telling you to do, which is stay in bed, stay home. You know, the, the, the world is unfair. Nobody's out there. It's not a good time. And push past that limiting belief so that you create something different for yourself. It'll be awkward at first. It'll be uncomfortable at first. Every transition, every shift is. But once you get past that, you blow through that wall that holds you back and you start to see an entirely different landscape. Right. And so you talk about flexing the muscle, and it's like going to the gym. You know, you're just not going to automatically be great at dating when you first start. Mm-hmm. I went on a lot of dates, and every date, every, each and every date that I went on, I became more confident. And I think, so we were talking yesterday, and I have this episode called The Million Reasons. And in that episode, I talk about the storylines that people create around online dating. And this belief system is, is very real. And I said to you yesterday, I think people hold on to these storylines as a form of pr- protection. And you said, and this is the part that you talk about being a part of the chaos in your book. And you said, no, and it's, it's an excuse. So that's the therapist and you calling people on. Well, you have to call them, I suppose, right? Yeah, you have to get real as to what your part is. Everything is a mirror. If you don't like what's going on outside of you, it is a mirror to yourself. So, you know, you can stand there and blame and point fingers or whatever, but really it's an opportunity that's being given to you to check yourself and where you're playing a part 
in that chaos, in where, you know, what you see in the mirror, where, where is that left in you that might be unchecked? It's an opportunity. Take the time. Journal it. Talk about it. Own that part of you. Once you do it, you'll see results. You, you absolutely will. Right. So why is it that we, we do this? It's like, I'm not good looking enough, or, you know, they might not like me, or I need to lose weight, whatever people say. And this is your lower self tactic because your higher self would never speak to you that way. And so you talk a lot about the gremlins and how they speak to you. And the gremlins do hold you back from success. But I like how you're like, quiet down, <laughs> like, quiet down, <laughs> zip it. <laughs> That's an important piece in your therapy, wouldn't you say? Yeah, huge part. It's a huge part. And, and it's, it's the conundrum for all of us. It's navigating that lower self voice. You know, I call the gremlins, the voice of the ego, the one that wants you to stay right where you are in the life that you have now without any form of expansion or opportunity. And then your highest self, which knows how radiant and amazing it can be. And I'm not talking about sunshine and roses and perfection or walking around, you know, like you're all that. I'm talking about a quiet, authentic power that knows that it's better than this. And when you believe that it's better than this, you emit a totally different frequency that brings totally different things to your life. I agree. Jill, this is all excellent. We're going to take a short break, but when we come back, we'll be discussing what suffering teaches us because none of us escape challenges, how anxiety isn't a bad thing, it's a gift, and using our intuition to transition into new energies. This episode of Shot of Love is brought to you by Akal Chai Rum. Akal Chai Rum is the world's first botanical rum. Recognized by the government of Trinidad and Tobago as having the first new production process for rum in over a century. Akal Chai Rum is an officially protected trade secret. Only the second such protected process in the Caribbean since the famed Angostura bitters by Don Carlos Siegert in the 1870s. Akal Chai Rum is available in 44 U.S. states on chairum.com. Also available in the Republic of Ireland on Stuff You Need. Try some today. And we're back with Jill Sylvester, therapist and author of the book and amazing podcast, Trust Your Intuition. Jill, most of us and collectively the world is going through a significant transformation. You mentioned in Trust Your Intuition that life gets better when you choose to listen to your intuitions. How did you have this awakening to your intuition? Um, well, I've always been an intuitive person. I was always into my dreams. You know, when I was a young girl, high school, that was always a thing for me. And then I'd have to say, really, the, the, the breakthrough, you know, kind of blow up time was when I was pregnant with my first child and my intuition just went through the roof. So it became really my North Star. I, I knew it. Everything that had to do with anything um, was going to be about my intuition, no matter what career I went back to, no matter what I, you know, just how I lived my life. It was just, it was just that big of a deal for me. Yeah. Well, I want to talk about intuition and dating because I wish, this is where I wish I had your book because a lot of things didn't feel right. Or I had this inner knowing that this person was a time waster or looking for an ego stroke or unsure of what they wanted. But I would call up my girlfriends and start taking polls on recent text messages and continuing the storyline of something that my intuition was telling me 
this isn't what's meant to be for you. And so often people do that. And when I met my boyfriend, I knew regardless that I was his most precious commodity, you know, really from the beginning. Mm. And he still to this day, I know my value and where we stand in our relationship. And that's a big thing is that people don't listen to their intuition. It's like, all right, I'm going to go out with this person, you know, three, four, five more times. But there's something off. And what would your advice be for intuition dating? I'm sure you hear a lot of stories from people that come to you for help. I can just imagine a single person being like, all right, I have some questions. I have some red flags. And you listening to that person, intuitively, would you just be like, mm, don't give this person so much time, shut it down, we go, go silent. People don't, men don't respond to any games that you think you can play. And so for me, if you're not getting what you need, I always say, fire up your transmitters, like to use your word, you bring your energy back to yourself. Don't give that energy to that person and just put them on ice and go silent and focus on yourself. Mm. I think, you know, it, it's easy, easier said than done, right? It's, I agree. It's, it's easy to say, it would be easy to say as a therapist, as an objective person who's not living that person's life, oh my God, shut that down. That's such a red flag. But we've all been there and we all blow through the red flags and we don't care and we just keep going and we each have our own hero's journey, you know, the version of the hero's mm. journey. So as a therapist... I would be doing a disservice to a person if I didn't point out the red flag. But I think what's the most important thing in that type of conversation is to notice the red flag and then allow the person to choose when and how you know, they want to deal with it because it will come up again. That's why it, it's it a red will. flag. It's it a will. dress rehearsal. I like to do dress rehearsals with people metaphorically to say, okay, so if we go in this direction, let's play it out. What might this look like? And sometimes to feel it, and sometimes our dreams will show us that too. They give us dress rehearsals. That's why we wake up in cold sweats, freaking out because the universe is saying, mm, if you go in that direction, here's what it might look like. Now, what are you going to do with that? And then it's holding the space for a person to be able to you know, decide their time version. Is it going to be now? Is it going to be six months from now? What does that red flag mean to them? Why aren't they willing to walk away from that red or yellow flag? What's, what's that all about? I think that's the more pressing question. And then again, back to the soul contract. This person is showing up in your life for a reason. It's not meant to torture you. It's meant for you to get to the point where you feel powerful enough to say, thank you so much for giving me the opportunity to say, Bye-bye. Right. You know, that's, right. that's what it comes down to. But everybody has their, their time frame and not to beat yourself up over it. Right. But once you recognize what you're bringing to it and why, that's when you can feel much more secure in yourself without needing anybody else to tell you. It's yourself going, oh, yeah, no, 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 no. I mean, we're, we're not doing that again. Right. And so busy, when people say, I'm sorry, I got really busy, I always say busy's bullshit. Mm-hmm. Agreed. It, it's just, people are so nice and they're like, I get it. It's a pandemic, super busy. We're all busy. Mm -hmm. Everybody's busy. And so when someone isn't showing up for you in the way that they need, like you said, it's like, bye-bye. I'm not doing this again. And I think it's great 
that you have these tools to become stronger. And one of the techniques that you have when running through these thoughts or anxiety is the and then what game. And you teach people to face the fear head on and keep moving forward. So can you talk about that and then what game? So let's take it back to the one that, you know, you just talked about when someone says, well, um, you know, they didn't have, I get it. We're all busy kind of thing. Right. right. So, so think about that. If you keep saying, I get it, I get it. You know, then what happens? Then what happens when you keep saying, oh, I understand why you're late. Or I understand why you don't call for two weeks. Oh my God, I'll be here for you in a month. If you don't call, then what, then what, you know, just keep running it through till you get to that place where you're dog tired and you're just completely drained and you've got this energy vampire in your life who just keeps, you know, taking advantage of you and you just keep willingly going along with the process. Right. So that's what I mean about checking yourself and being able to just look at yourself of why you're, you know, allowing yourself to be in that position. And, you know, it's also about not thinking there's something wrong with you if someone isn't calling you. Sometimes it's an opportunity for you to develop better boundaries, for you to see what's right with yourself, of how you have an opportunity to say, no, you, you don't fit my model of what I want. It's like too often we run to those gremlin thoughts in our head that say, there's something wrong with me. I must not be pretty enough. I must not be fit enough. I must not be smart enough or whatever it is that's in our head, as opposed to going, this is an opportunity. What am, what's the strong part of me that I'm going to bring to it? Right. We, we default right to the negative. Right. And so, you know, we talk about being nice, like I get it and everyone's busy and there's a pandemic. Well, how about being nice to yourself first? Yeah. Because this person who's taking an inch, you know, taking little by little, pushing the boundaries and taking from you, that's not giving to yourself. We're teaching people how to treat us. That's, that's what you're doing. Right. That's what you're doing. You're teaching somebody how to treat you. If you say you'll be there for them at 2 a.m. versus 2 in the afternoon, then you can expect that to happen again. You know, it's, it's, you have to decide what you want. If that's what works for you and that's how you want to create your life, then have at it. It's your life to create. But if it's not what you want, then you got to define that for yourself and then, you know, stick to it in the best way that you can and look at it as an opportunity. Not that you're not worth something if someone doesn't like you, but more of what, you know, what's right with you. Right. You know, and when you change the game, on people, and I've helped a lot of people do this. And I think one of the most valuable things that I can share with someone dating is create boundaries. Because otherwise, so many people will easily affect you and mm -hmm. how you feel about yourself, mm -hmm. unless you really stand in your power. And in your book, you talk about how you visually put strength and protection around people that you care about. I feel like you should put it around yourself as well. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I like that. The other thing you talk about, so people definitely, if things don't work out, then people reframe it and put it on them back on themselves and say, there's something wrong with me. And hey, I did it myself. And I think there's moments that you get really down and you really want to throw the towel in. And one of the things that you have as a tool in your book is the enough is enough prayer. And I think that's a good, given the state of the times right now, I think we should talk about this. 
Yeah. Saying enough is enough is about deciding in your life where to draw the line in the sand and to decide that you're no longer willing to live the life you've been willing, no longer willing to, uh, you know, succumb to the voice in your head that tells you over and over what you're not, no longer willing to live someone else's life. It's about stopping and saying, I'm going to walk through a new door starting today. And what that looks like, I have no idea. And that's often what scares the bejesus out of us Mm. uh, the most. And deciding that you're just going to step into it and just allow life to unfold. Because oftentimes, I've learned this in my own life, that by letting go and just allowing the universe to take you in the direction that is best for you, it's an even greater life than you could have possibly imagined for yourself. I like that. We had talked about um, about that, like holding on to the energy too tightly. When you just kind of let it go and just know that things are going to unfold the way that they should, that things work out a lot easier. Yeah. Don't you think? Yeah. Yeah. The one other thing that you said in your book, and you can tell that I'm a super fan of your book, <laughs> is that you can't have a negative and positive thought at the same time. And so one of the things you can do is find five things that you feel grateful for. And it can be really small. It doesn't have to be something major. And so this, again, is like the small steps, the discipline, the actions, the movement to supporting your mental health. Yeah. yeah. Re- research shows that uh, kids and adults who, are, you know, who go to bed listing three to five things that they're grateful for have less anxiety and depression. And so why wouldn't we do that, especially, you know, in the times right now that we live in? So stating every night, whether you write it in your journal or you say it aloud to your family, I'm a fan of, you know, as a parent to teach your kids how to do that every single night. Um, It just becomes a ritual. And when you do that, what happens is subconsciously you're scanning the environment the following day for things that you are grateful for. So whether it's fresh sheet night or, you know, the, the way your uh, significant other cooks that perfect sauce, you know, um, someone just smiling at you, you know, on a walk during the day, little things, little, little, this beautiful studio, you know, mm. just, just, just sitting here right now, just, just collaborating with like-minded souls. Like it doesn't get better than that. For no, me, it you doesn't. Know? So things like that. It's so nice. So, it is so true. You just have to appreciate the small wins, any good, bright part of your mm-hmm, day. Mm-hmm. And uh, undoubtedly this year, we have had our share of dark times, but there's been so many moments of light. And to me, Jill, you are a glimmer of hope and better days on the horizon. Thank you so much for uplifting us today and sharing with all of us your positive insight. Where can people find you, follow you, listen to your podcast, purchase your books? Uh, so my website is jillsylvester.com where you can sign up for my weekly blog with tips like we've been talking about today. Uh, you mentioned my podcast, Trust Your Intuition, on Spotify, Apple, all, all the major channels there. Let's see, what else? My books on Amazon and on my website. And uh, yeah, it's, uh, I, I appreciate you having me here today. Oh, thank you. Every day you can find something to be grateful for. And today I am very grateful to you, Jill Sylvester. Thanks so much and come back real soon. Thank you. And for now, this week's Tinder tips. In honor of today's guest, Jill Sylvester, these tips come directly from her book, Trust Your Intuition. Number one, be clear about your why. Once you become clear about your why, the universe begins to work in your favor. Number two, 
gain perspective, and check in with yourself. If things become too much for you, turn it over to the enough is enough prayer. Number three, make a list of 10 to 20 affirmations every day you want to work in a positive way in your life. Number four, when you lay the foundation for your day, you lay the foundation for your life. This is what Shot at Love is here for, to help you find love. Keep up the commitment to yourself and commit to helping someone else by sharing this podcast. Remember to stay safe and stay tuned for more episodes. If you like this show, please write a five-star review. I'm Carrie Brett, and we'll see you next time.